Welcome to the Burning Hearts Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're joining us this week. So today I want to talk about what that looks like when we come in His presence and then we go back out carrying His presence. That's as simple as what I'm going to talk about, but I'm going to talk about David's tent, David's tabernacle today, and what that looked like and what we carry in us. So I just want us to spend a moment in prayer and just believe God for the Word of God to speak so strong to us today. So Heavenly Father, as we go into the Word and study about David's tent, about that dwelling place that he prepared, that tabernacle that he made, I ask that each one of our hearts would just awaken to the tabernacle that we are. We are a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit, that Christ is in us. The very hope of glory is in us. So Father, I ask that you transform us today to be more like you, to have a greater understanding of what David established, what Jesus fulfilled and is continually fulfilling in each one of us. So I thank you, God, for the word. Amen. All right. Well, let's dive into it. I am... We're going to hit a lot today. We're going to go into Acts 15, and then we're going to go into Chronicles, and we're just kind of going to go all over the Word today, because I want you to know, as we're reading this, you're going to see David's tent that he established is in the Word all the way through Revelation. And so this is something incredible that was established, but also is established in us still today. And what got me on this was we were, you know, I knew we were doing this series, but I kept waking up in the middle in the morning with the presence of God just on me. And he'd said, would you be my dwelling place? Will you be my tabernacle? And I'd be like, yes, God, I will. Yes, I'm just waking up whatever you want. And every morning I'd wake up in this fire hot presence of God. God was on me and he kept asking me of that. And I'm like, teach me what you're saying. I want to know about the tabernacle of God. And many of us had learned from Mike Bickle way back, you know, when he started establishing the house of prayer. I learned so much about the tabernacle of David through um, Mike Bickle and through even Upper Room. We were there and they're teaching on it. And it's those house of prayer movements that teach about this a lot because they want to establish that within the prayer movement. The burn talks about it a lot. Like we want to establish the tabernacle of David. We want this place to be a house of prayer, which yes, we do. But we want to come into that house of prayer and get so full and leave with that house within us. We are his dwelling place. And so as I was studying those things again and going through my notes and just different teachings that I'd had on this, I was like, God, I get it in a greater measure now than I ever had before. We've always wanted a house of prayer in this city. We've always wanted to see that established. But there's so much more. When we are big people and know who we are in Christ and we carry that outside these walls, you guys, cities are transformed. And we're going to look at what David did in his time. All right, so let's get to the word, huh? David's tent. Um, I want us to turn first to Psalm 132, and this is David speaking in the Psalms. And I want us to look at um, verses four and five. It says, I will allow no sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids till I find a place of the Lord, a dwelling for the mighty one of Jacob. He had this passion. I want to find a dwelling place for God. I'm not going to even sleep until I figure out where your dwelling place will be. It says in verse one, Lord, remember David. And 
all of his self-denial. He swore an oath to the Lord. He made a vow to the mighty one of Jacob. I will not enter my house or go to my bed. I will allow no sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids till I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling for the mighty one of Jacob. He's crying out to God, I need a dwelling place for you. It's kind of been my cry since that experience I had. Those It was only three days in a row but it really marked my heart in a way that I can't explain. I still ask, God, I just want to be your dwelling place. And so David made this vow to the Lord, and it says in 2 Samuel 7, 16, it talks about the Davidic covenant, like David's covenant with God. And it said, David would receive a house and descendants, a kingdom, influence, and authority. And David would have a throne, and he would reign. His leadership was essential for this because there was a reign that was to be established that was fulfilled even in Christ's coming and what his return is. This is talked about in Revelation 22:16. Like the end of Revelation, we're still talking about this covenant that God made with David. It says in Revelation 22:16, Jesus is the root of David which means that Jesus was before David. But then you go on in Revelation and it says, Jesus also was the descendant of David. What? So Jesus, before time, he's the root of David. He was the one that established this. His presence is in this tent. But what is it? He came to earth and he was in the lineage of David and he's coming again. And he's going to sit on the throne of David is what it says in scripture. Do you realize how important what David established is to us in the body of Christ and his believers? Um, David had a kingdom. And just when Jesus came, what did he say? He said, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And then David was this prototype for Jesus, what Jesus fulfilled. And David's covenant is still being fulfilled in Christ and in us, that throne of David that he's talking about. David said he wanted to make a dwelling place and he made it the main priority until it was established. It was the main thing for him. His heart burned to see this thing established. He wanted to see a place for his dwelling place. He knew that if he had a place for that, that the blessings of God would be on his house and on his kingdom and on everything that he put his hand to. He knew if he made that the top priority in his life, the blessings of God would follow. Do you think there's a lesson for us in that? He made it his top priority, the dwelling place of God. It affects our world, our nations. If our nation would shift and all of a sudden make his presence the dwelling place in our nation, our nation would shift, the world would shift, everything would change if we made that our top priority. And we can do that in our lives and in our families. The blessings of God follow. I want us to go to Acts 15. Originally, I was supposed to preach on Acts. And so here you go. This is my Acts moment. (laughs) I want us to look at in Acts 15, they're going into um, literally the first church gathering, denominational, whatever, if you want to call it a conference, whatever it is, it's the first one that ever happened. So they even did conferences in Acts. By chapter 15, they were doing conferences because there was a disagreement. So there's disputes. We got to go have a conference and talk about it. And so all the leaders are showing up, right? It's kind of funny to think about. So they came down and their question was, there was a group of them that wanted to add to the gospels what they did. They wanted to add to the gospels saying, if you're not circumcised, you have to get circumcised to be saved. Now, 
that means Jews and Gentiles could only get salvation through that, not just believing in God, right? And so they're having this dispute, so they all gather, right? And the church sent them, they arrived in the city, and they're all gathered, the leaders are here together, and they're disputing this. And the first thing they do is on the way, God moves mightily as the apostles are coming into the city. And they do a report in verse four, they have a goodness of God moment. They report everything that God had done through them. I loved that little line. It has nothing to do with what we're talking about today, but I just wanted you to read it, okay? Because they gathered and they talked about his goodness. Look at what he's doing. Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. And the apostles and elders met to consider their question. After much discussion... That little word, much discussion, you know they had a big old debate, right? They were just trying to figure this out. They're battling it out like, what's your thought? What's your thought? Peter stands up. Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago, God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving them the Holy Spirit. Just as he did to us, he did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor your ancestors have been able to bear? No, we believe that it is through grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that we are saved just as they are. It is by grace. Peter stands up and it says, he says, by grace we're saved. That's what he's saying. He's making this proclamation. It has nothing to do with this debate. It has everything to do with by grace you are saved. How many people get that? It is only by God's grace we're saved, right? So Paul and Barnabas, then they get up. And they're the um, signs and wonders guys, pretty much. And so the whole assembly became silent as they listened to Barnabas and Paul telling about the signs and wonders God had done among the Gentiles through them. So Barnabas and Paul are saying, it's not just grace, but it's also signs and wonders that follow. And God moves in that and people get saved, right? So then there's this moment and James, who is the brother of Jesus, he stands up and he says something quite profound. So this is what drives us back to David's tent. You're going, where is this going, pastor? We really are getting back there. But he stands up, and James is the brother of Jesus, and he's going back to an Old Testament verse. He's going to declare here an Old Testament verse that is found in Amos. And so I want us to look at what he says in verse 13. When they finished, James spoke up. Brothers, he said, listen to me. Simon has described to us how God first intervened to choose a people for his name from the Gentiles. The words of the prophets are in agreement with this. As it is written, after this, I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. Its ruins I will rebuild and I will restore it. That the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord who does these things, things known from long ago. These things were known even long ago in the Old Testament that both Jew and Gentile will be saved through Jesus. Okay, he's opening up this. Let's go back to what they said in Amos. Let's go back to David. So I want to bring this back to David. It speaks to me um, a lot of the concept. I want us to show you something in the Old Testament about David's tent that the Gentiles were even welcomed in. And this is gonna, it kind of blows my mind that it, it's interesting. We talked about this in staff meeting and uh, 
It's kind of this whole model of what Jesus carried in David's life. And it's so incredible to me to see how Jesus fulfilled it and how today we still get to be fulfilling this. Um, so I want us to turn, we're going to go to First Chronicles. I'm going all over, I told you. If you take a notes, you're going to like me. First Chronicles 13.3. Let's bring the ark of God back to us, for we did not inquire of it during the reign of Saul. So the ark, the very presence of God where it was hosted in the ark, and you remember Moses' temple where he had the outer court and then the inner court and then the Holy of Holies, and in the Holy of Holies was the ark, right? Well, they had taken it out and they put it in a barn because they didn't know what to do with it. Can you imagine the presence of God? This is Moses' tabernacle. They took it out. His people took it out and put it in a barn. And some theologians think 20 years. Others think 100 years. It sat in a barn. And that's why David's saying, I want to build a resting place for this because I know if the presence of God is cherished and if it's in my kingdom, there will be a blessing on it. I know that we need to be that steward of his presence. And think about it. The tabernacle had all these rituals that were still going on without the presence how many of us like still live our lives going to church, doing the things, but we don't revere his presence, that intimacy, that time with God? That's what it's about. I don't ever want us to look like that. I want us to be a people who love his presence, who want to be his dwelling place. But at this time, Israel was not that. They were doing all the rituals with no presence. And David said, I want to bring it back. His passion just burned for this. It speaks to me deep. So he built a cart. David trying to do the best he could. You guys know the story. He builds a cart with wheels, and he's going to roll it up to Mount Zion. And he's going to bring mountains in the Middle East. How many people have been to the Middle East? They are not mountains like the Rockies. They are hills, okay? So when they say mountain, think hill, okay? So I just want you to think, like, when we say mountain, so many times we think we're climbing the Rockies with the cart and the Ark of the Covenant. It's not. They're going up a hill, okay? So they're going up this hill to bring the Ark back. And as they're doing it, he had great intentions. You know, we're going to do this. Uzziah touches the ark, and what happens? He dies, right? Because he touched the holy of holies. So David's like, oh, the wheel broke, you know, all this. Let's go put it in this guy's house, right? So he's going to move it to a house. And I want us to look at this scripture as he moves it in. He's going to move it into this man. His name is Obed-Edom. And he's going to move it into his house. And it says um, in 1 Corinthians 1 Corinthians 13, 12. How can I bring the art back to me? He was just, just devastated. Like, how can we get this back? He's this burning question. I want that presence of God. How can I bring it back? So in verse 13, he did not take the ark to be with him in the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. What was he? Was he an Israelite? He was not. In the Old Testament, that's a Gentile. He was not a part of God's people. He brought the ark, the very presence of God, into Obed-Edom's house, right? This is why James brought it up in Acts 15. Do you see the segue? All right. <clears throat> the ark of God's remained with the family of Obed-Edom in the house for three months, and the Lord blessed his household and everything that he had. The blessings of God was on this man's house, on his family, on everything that was a part of who he was. The blessings of God was on it. And David was frustrated because he wanted the ark up those few miles into Mount Zion, into the tent that he's building. So in 1 Chronicles 15, 
He's building this. He says, after David had consecrated the building, he built this tent, right? He's going to have a place of dwelling for the ark. And he's preparing it. He's like trying to figure out how we're going to get it up there. He constructs this building himself, first in the city of David, and he prepared a place for the ark of God and pitched a tent for it. Then David said, no one but the Levites may carry the ark of God because the Lord chose them to carry the ark and the Lord and to minister before him. So he's saying, you know what? I missed it. I had great intentions. I built this cart. We were going to bring it up. But you know what? He had to go back to the first thing that God told him, the first covenant that was made. He went back to his first love. How many of us, when we get in a trouble spot, we need to remember this. We may have great intentions. We're going to do this for God, and it didn't work out. Go back to the first thing he said. So the first thing he said is the Levites are going to carry it. They're carrying it on poles up the hill, right, to Zion. So he goes back, and the Levites, he calls them to consecrate their lives, to totally give their lives to God. And it says they are devoted exclusively, particularly to a divine purpose. That's what it means to consecrate your heart. You're devoted wholly and solely to this one thing. And the Levites, we're going to learn more about what their job was, but they committed them li their lives to this. This is my calling. I'm going to be in the tent in the house of the Lord. I'm going to carry his presence. I'm going to make a dwelling place for him. So this is what's happening. They're going to move this ark, right? All right. So he's going to do this, and he's going to do it well. He wants to do it right. So every seventh step, they offer up bulls. So they're just doing all these blood sacrifices all the way up every seven steps. Can you imagine what was going on in the streets? Think about how much blood was flowing. If every seven steps they go seven, then we're going to do it. Go another seven, then we're going to, you know, sacrifice a bull. You know, it's a picture of Jesus when he came down the road of Via Della Rosa. There's this picture always being painted of Christ and what he did for us. So they kept doing the burnt offerings and the peace offerings, and they kept ministering that way. And then David left in verse 37, Asa and his associates before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord to minister there regularly according to the day of requirements. So before they entered the tent, they did their last blood sacrifice. They brought the presence of God, that Ark of his Covenant, into this wide open tent space. And then he said, from here on out, we're done with blood sacrifices. Now we're going to sacrifice with worship and praise. We bring a sacrifice of worship and praise before our king. He knew this New Testament. He brought in this whole covenant that we have with Jesus Christ, the sacrifice of praise. No longer do we live in this covenant. As soon as they crossed the tent, they were in this new Davidic covenant where it was all about a sacrifice of praise and worship to the king. And so the Levites were in there worshiping day and night, right, to the king, worshiping to the very presence of God. And that's how they served. But in verse 37 and verse 38, it says, he also left Obed-Edom and his 68 associates to minister to them. Obed-Edom's son of, um, and also Hosea were gatekeepers. So Obed-Edom and his son, they were all gatekeepers within the presence of God. So what does that mean? They allowed a Gentile to go into that place with the Levites. Okay, back to the conflict that we're having in the New Testament. By grace, you are saved. 
You know what? It is signs and wonders will follow, but by grace you're saved because you're in this covenant with Jesus where Jews and Gentiles and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And we are called to step into this place of worship and prayer and praise and thanksgiving. And so David's tent was there. It was the Ark of the Covenant was in his tent and the blood sacrifices had ended. And in Psalm 54, 6, it talks about, I will sacrifice a free will offering to you. I will praise your name, Lord, for it is good. So when we come in here and Pastor Chris says, now let's stand and let's give him a sacrifice of praise. This is exactly what he's saying. Let's go into that place. We can enter in to that place where his very presence is. And all we have to do is bring a sacrifice of praise and worship to him. And it is pleasing to God. He's blessed by it. In Hebrews 13, it says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the first fruits of our lips that openly profess his name. This is what we're doing. We're professing who he is. We come into that place. Anyway, David built this room, this tent, this where the ark would rest. There were 4,000 musicians, 4,000 gatekeepers, and 288 singers. And you know what he did? He paid them. It's the first thing he did. He paid them. If you look at the math, I don't know. This is Mike Bickle, so he did all the math. I didn't do it. But David employed them, and he paid them one talent, which equals a million dollars in modern-day money, each one of them. That's how he valued what they did. He valued what they brought. To this modern day, it says it's over a billion dollars that he paid out for the tabernacle to run. It lasted 33 years. How long did Jesus minister on earth? 33 years, just as long as Christ ministered. I want you to know, any, in, from then on forward in the Old Testament, anyone that stepped into the Davidic covenant and worshiped God and put the Ark of His covenant in the presence where it was a sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving versus a sacrifice of blood, they entered into the same move and presence of God that David had. There were seven more times that this took place, like with Jehoshaphat and Jehuda and Hezekiah and Zerubbabel and Ezra and Nehemiah. They all went in and took in the sacrifice of praise, and they stepped into the same anointing and same revival and same blessing that David did. When that concept is given and we just grasp it, that's who we are. We are his dwelling place. That We just give him our sacrifice of praise and worship. We enter into basically revival. That's what we live in. My house, when Jesus came in and he came in riding on a donkey, we're going to see, we're almost into Palm Sunday. He came in and what did he do? He went into the temple and he turned the tables and he said, my house should be a house of prayer. And they knew what he was talking about. They knew when the Holy of Holies came into the temple, it was called to be a house of prayer and worship. You know, they were convicted. You know that instantly they knew what Jesus was talking about. Oh, yeah. When the ark comes in, Jesus, the very presence of God, God made flesh on the earth walking, steps into the temple. That's why he did it. So many times we rest on the anger that Jesus was angry. Yay, I can be angry. It wasn't anything about that. It was all about him declaring the presence of God is in the house. This is to be a house of praise, of prayer, and worship. In Psalm 132, you know, David wrote this, and he's, um, I want us to turn there if you have your Bibles. Just go to Psalm 132. And I read the beginning of it. 
And this affects us today. This is who we are. You know, I was, as I was preparing this and praying into it, I spoke on it a little bit in Ames and more here. Um, I was thinking about as we gather, if we get this concept, we are all in, we're all coming into this place where we gather together, we're bringing the sacrifice of worship and praise and we're coming together, we're filling up, we're going into this place. But then when we go out, what do you carry? You're his, you're his dwelling place. And this is all about us leaving that building, right? What is it called again? Oh yeah, the church has left the building. We're out of here with his presence. I think that's easier for me to remember. We're out of here is what I kept telling him. We're out of here with his presence. We come here, we gather. Don't you get so full? I am so encouraged watching the testimonies, watching people get healed. I love the worship. I love our altar time. But it's all about us leaving and going there for six more days and bringing his presence everywhere we go and making his dwelling place the main thing in our families, in our households. At your workplace, your very, the very presence of Jesus comes with you even into your workplace. Think about it. When you come in, everything should change. Atmosphere should shift and change because all of a sudden, the presence of Jesus is in the house because you're his dwelling place. You know, he says those scriptures where he says, where our feet tread, that land is given to me. And this is that concept where your feet go. The presence of God is coming when you are his dwelling place. That land should be given over to the kingdom of God as you enter that place. Is it easy? Sometimes it's not, isn't it? It's not all easy. This was not easy for David to establish, but it is worth the battle. I guarantee it's worth it. It's worth it for us to practice being in his presence, practice being that person I want to be your dwelling place, oh God. Let's have the passion that David carried to see it established for us in our lifetime. In Psalm 132, verse 13, for the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling, saying, this is my resting place forever and ever. Here I will sit enthroned, for I have desired it. I will bless her with abundant provisions. Her poor I will satisfy with food. I will clothe her priests with salvation and her faithful people with ever, will ever sing for joy. I want the joy restored in our lives. It comes from the dwelling place. Here I will make a horn grow from David, and I will set up a lamp for my anointed one. I will clothe his enemies with shame, but his head will be adorned with a radiant crown. Do you see what God did when he made the main thing the main thing? He moved in might in David's life. So yes, what I'm talking about David's tent, it was for then, right? It was fulfilled in David in those 33 years. We saw seven more revivals take place that followed that same model, but then Jesus came and he fulfilled it all. So no longer do we have to sacrifice bulls or calves or anything like that. Now we just get to go in his presence because Jesus came. He died, he rose so we could have that relationship. But it says in Revelation, what? He's coming back. One day, right now he's sitting at the right hand of the Father and God the Father is going to say, go, go back, come on, it's time. Your your bride is ready. Let's go back. I want us to be that ready bride. Nate and I were talking about this whole teaching and I had when I was in the upper room, they were talking about it too, so it stirred in me again. But Mike Bickle probably changed our lives. How we do church and why we do Tuesday, Thursday nights and why we do the burn is because what he established in our heart. T- 
teaching us of that sacrifice of praise and worship and how to be his dwelling place. And I just wanted to say that because I want to give kudos to Michael for all his efforts that he has to make a house of prayer what it is today. But I say that because Jesus is teaching us. He's teaching us to be his dwelling place. He's teaching us to go and establish these things in our city because he wants politics to look different. He wants government within our city to look different because if we make his presence the main thing, you know what? Blessings will overflow. Our schools should look different. If we, his people, rise up and spend time in his presence and we bring his presence out to our city, schools are going to look different. Our value system within this region will look different. I guarantee it because that's the principle that I see in the word of God. Everything changed. It affected society in every way, shape, and form. There was blessings of God on all things. Amen. I want our life to be that resting place. Jesus, just mark our lives. You know, let us be your dwelling place. In Psalm 27, one thing I ask from the Lord, this one and only thing do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. In Psalm 69, 9 says, for the zeal of your house consumes me. I want us to be consumed by him. So let's just stand up. I just want to pray into a couple of things. As I was preparing for this, I kept seeing two things that I felt we really need to pray into. Well, there was about four, but okay. <laughs> the first two I want to give is if you felt that like, okay, I've been just going through the motions and I haven't made his presence a priority, I want to pray over that. I want to ask our prayer team to come forward. Because I'm going to have them pray into this as well. If that's you, I want, after we pray corporately, I just want you to come forward and just let them lay hands on you and just begin to just, what I would say, soak on you the very presence of God and just pray over it, okay? So Heavenly Father, if some of you are saying, that's me, I've just been going through the motions and my heart just hasn't been that place for you, God, I ask that right now we repent of that, but we turn we just open up our hearts and we say, God, be a, make your home in our lives, that we would host your presence, that we would be a dwelling place for you, that we would be your tabernacle. God, that we wouldn't just go through the motions like the Israelites did with the temple of Moses. They just, the tabernacle of Moses, they just went through the motions and your very presence wasn't in the inner court anymore. God, we don't want to do that anymore. We want to be a people who host your presence, who are the people who are in your dwelling place, who are passionate about what you're doing. God, just ruin us for ordinary Christianity. God, just ruin us for that. We want to be with you, Jesus. We want to see our city change because we're in it. Lord, we want to do like the apostles did in Acts 15, They gathered, they sorted this out, and then they went out and people got saved and delivered and set free and made whole and healed. God, we want to be your dwelling place. Move in us. Move in us. I feel like if some of you felt like I've been doing, going through the motions, I was doing the, trying to do the right thing, but it was the cartwheel and it fell. And I need to go back to that first love. If that's you, I just want to pray over you. 
So God, we go back to that first love. We go back to that first call that you have. That we just love you, God, and love others well. God, that we just know you personally. If you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, you're saying, I don't even know this. If that's you, just raise your hand. If you have walked away from him, just raise your hand. And I just want to pray over you if that's you. Because we just want to pray into that Heavenly Father. We just ask for those who don't know you or those who just said, I need to come back to Jesus. Lord, that that first love, that salvation, you said anyone who calls on my name, your name, Jesus, would be saved. Or we call on your name, Jesus, for salvation. God, you said you'd forgive our sins because you are faithful and just to forgive us from all unrighteousness. So if there's any sins, Lord, that have separated us from you, God, we ask for forgiveness and we receive your forgiveness. We receive it. We step into that relationship with you. The other thing I felt really strongly, I wanted to pray over weariness. I know it's been a long winter. Everyone's like, oh, we're all weary, right? We are. But I think there's a weariness that people are carrying that's not just weather related. Do you know what I'm saying? I felt like there was people in this room who have a really deep weariness and I felt like God wanted to meet it. He wants to restore that joy of your salvation. He wants to restore that passion in you that you once had. If that's you, can you just like raise your hand and wave at me? Because I feel like there's a few of you. Yeah, there's a lot of you. So let's just pray into that. Lord, I just want us to give that to him. Lord, he's saying, Matthew, come, all who are weary, heavy laden. Your yoke is easy, your burden is light. Lord, we just, first of all, we turn our hearts and we come to you. We cast this weariness onto you. Lord, if it's a spiritual thing and it's an attack, we break it off in the name of Jesus. Lord, I just command any witchcraft spirits that are coming against our people to go in the name of Jesus. Lord, we speak forth the truth of your word. God, you are rivers. You bring rivers of living water and you want them to flow through us. Rivers. And so I pray that refreshing from heaven come right now and touch your people. Everyone that was waving at me, there's many, God. You saw who they were. Bring your rivers of living water to flow on them, that it would flow out of them and that joy of their salvation would be restored, the joy of loving you, the joy of serving you. Bring them back to that first love, God, that first love. You told us don't grow weary into doing good because in due time we'll see a harvest. Lord, if anyone is weary because they've been in this frontline battle, God, I pray, come along right now. Just sweep them up, pick them up. Lord, let them stand another day running after the things of you. Weariness go in Jesus' name. Jesus. The last thing, there were four things. Um, I felt led to pray over if there's people in transition. I think we're always in transition. But if you're in like a major transition right now and you want prayer, I just want you to wave at me because I felt like there was a number of you kind of in this place of big, yeah, I see some hands. It's kind of, that's me. And transitions are big. 
So let's just pray over them. Heavenly Father, for those who are in big transitions right now, I pray the Heavenly Father, you speak clear. You said, we'll hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way walk in it. I pray it's that clear to them that they hear your voice saying, this is it, go there. I pray you open and close doors that need to be opened and shut, divinely remove obstacles. And we pray just the doors that are to be opened would be opened in Jesus' name. We pray the doors that need to be shut, you just shut them so they know it's a no. But Heavenly Father, I pray the confirming words in their lives, if these are huge transitions where they need that confirmation from heaven, God, I pray you bring it in Jesus' name. And Heavenly Father, right now I ask Holy Spirit, come in might. Your very presence come and just burn on them. They are desiring, they're seeking you in this transition. They want to hear from you. They want to do your will, Papa. So speak clear in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. We hope this message encouraged you today. For more information about Burning Hearts Church and our mission, please head to burninghartsfargo.com.